0: I hope you take away two things from the message today, a do and a don't. Do get along, don't retaliate. So do get along, do live in harmony with one another. Like Paul McCartney's song, Ebony and Ivory. Maybe you can sing along with me. Ebony, Ivory, live together in perfect harmony. Harmony, side by side on the piano, keyboard, oh Lord, <laughs> why don't we, well the answer is we can, and we need to, we need to get along, it's incredibly important as a church that we get along. But not only that, but that we get along so good with each other that we are like music, like we sang this morning, a beautiful harmony together. That's what the message of Peter is in this uh, first letter, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded. The idea here is uh, living in harmony from uh, Romans 12:16, It says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do get along. So this is imperative. It's actually a command in Scripture. Don't mess around with this. Get on the same page. Live together in such a way that we complement one another. In all of our differences, we flow together in this unity as the body of Christ. We're like a beautiful melody with all of its parts singing together. Like a hum. Can you hum? Let's try it now somebody give a harmony a little higher another one now together I can hear you online almost way to go we're humming along together like we're all in harmony together that's what we are called to do get along Peter says be sympathetic love one another be compassionate and humble this is normal for the church It's not normal to be out of harmony. Is that your experience? It needs to be our experience as the church. We need to get along. Jesus commands us to love one another. Why do we do this? He says, so that the world may know that you are my followers. It's a witness on how we get along. We are to love one another. I love you. I mean, we can say it, right? We can talk about it. We can do it. But we can say it too. I love you. So I'm going to ask you to do something really weird. Turn to someone and say, I love you. All right, if that's weird, get get used to it. We're supposed to live together in unity, in harmony. A do and a don't today. (laughs) Do, get along. Now the don't is going to be a little more difficult. This is actually going to seem a little bit counterintuitive. This is probably going to take more discipline than what I just asked you to do. Do get along, but don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. Now we might think, well, obviously we're supposed to love one another, so we're not going to retaliate with one another here in the church. But Peter's actually talking about somebody else, not just us here in the church joining us online, not just the Christ followers. He's talking about don't retaliate with those who are on the other side of the church, who those who live in hostility to you as the Jesus follower. He says, don't retaliate. He writes, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Why do that? Why not retaliate? Definitely seems like the natural response, right? When somebody harms you or does something wrong, if somebody harms your family or... Uh, yourself or your property what do you want to do retaliate you want to fight back push back either physically or legally somehow fight back that's the way the world does it but the church doesn't do things the way the world does you know this message is for the church it's for you and I here together as Jesus followers online you know, it's gonna ha- it would help the world if the world filed this, but, but this letter's written to believers in the church who are facing persecution. So I'm preaching today to the church. The natural response to hostility is to retaliate, to get even. In Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you know, we're going to do this a little differently as my followers. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward is that to you? It's normal to love those who love you back. Maybe somebody actually said that to you when you said, I love you. They said, I love you too. But Jesus is talking about something completely different. He's talking about loving those who don't love you back, even loving those who won't love you back. I've been doing some reflecting lately on something that puzzles me. It's this idea of what's fair. You know, we all want to be fair. We all want things to be equal and equitable. That definitely seems Right. You know, when life isn't fair, we want to make it more fair. When our kids aren't treating each other fairly, we want them to treat you fairly. How many, how many kids have you said, that's not fair? We want fair. It seems like the Christian thing to do, but doing fair requires something on our part. It requires sacrifice. If we're going to work towards fairness, it's going to require us to sacrifice. So Sacrifice is not fair, not in the equitable sense. So think about it. Jesus teaches, love those who hate you. How is that fair to you? He says, do good to those who wrong you. How is that fair to you? Peter the Apostle writes, repay evil with blessing. How is that fair? So if you're looking for this even, earthly kind of exchange, then good luck. You might not find it. But that's not the goal as a Jesus follower. There's something bigger that's going on here, something bigger than fair. You and I belong to another reality as Jesus' followers, we are part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, it is breaking into this world. We are salt and light. We are influence here. But, you know, the whole world is not necessarily operating on the same standard that we do. We are operating on God's standard, according to God's word. We're directed by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, Jesus said, be perfect. Say perfect. Perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Who's perfect? God the Father, right? God the Father is perfect, so we are to emulate God. So what does that mean? Well, our desires now are God's desires. And God uh, doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, to faith in Jesus Christ, to come to the knowledge of him and to be saved, to, to become a follower of him so that they may live eternally with him in the new heaven and the new earth, even our enemies. God wants our enemies to know salvation. So, what will open the eyes of our enemies to the love of the Father for them? What's going to open their eyes to see God's love? You know what it is? Well, Jesus seems to say, our blessing. Our blessing. Peter writes, Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. What does it mean to bless our enemies? Those who hate us, those who. Don't like us. Those who hurt us or persecute us or do things harmful to us. Well, it translates to speak well of someone. How many of us tend to do that? Somebody hurts you. Oh, that's a good guy. Have a friendly temperament towards your enemies. It talks about actively pray for them, intercede for them. Ask God to allow them to receive the same grace that you and I have received. As grace receivers, we are called to be grace givers. What is grace? But unmerited favor. Not something deserved. Not something fair. It's God's goodness that overcomes evil. Peter quotes Psalm 34 in this passage that you heard read so far. It's reinforcing this idea of non-retaliation. So let's keep this in the context of the letter. He's talking to the persecuted church here, the church who is being wronged. And who is the church? We are are the church. So this is to us. It's a very practical letter. It's, It's got some heavy weight teaching in it. You know, as evangelicals, we say that we believe the scriptures as the word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct, which means the only perfect rule for what we believe and how we believe and what we practice. So he says in Psalm 34, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do what? Good. Do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Do good to whom? To our enemies. On the mountain sermon, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God so we live in this upside-down kingdom of heaven until Jesus comes when all things will be made right but we're called now to live it out and desire life in all of its goodness so what does that look like well, on Wednesday we talked about being salt and light in the world and one of the things that we did was right on the prayer card you know, what, what, how can you be that? How can you be salt and light to your neighbors in the world? And these prayer cards over here that are stuck in here as the shape of a cross represent all of these. And this represents our grade schoolers and all of our church. But, th- uh, you know, a lot of our, our grade schoolers that uh, wrote these things on here. And what did they ask? Um, what, what, did, what was it that they were committing to do? One of the huge things was this. You ready? Be nice. They want to be nice to someone this week. Be nice. That sounds pretty much like do good, doesn't it? Be nice. I, I don't necessarily think that's simplistic. I, I think that's, you know, from the heart. I want to reflect that character of Christ. So be nice. It fits with the, Peter's theme Not to be nice to those who deserve it, but actually to be nice to those who don't deserve it. So we begin to overcome evil with good. We go after peace that's elusive and difficult and hard in our relationships because that's what God has called us to do, to be peacemakers. And we pray for those things. That are difficult, and we start to do them, and we're reminded that God hears the church. God hears our prayers because we have this personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Peter writes, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Are you a Christian? If you're joining us online, maybe you're watching, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus making followers of Jesus? If that's how you identify with yourself, if that's you today, then I want you to know this. You will have trouble. What an encouraging message. You will have trouble. Jesus didn't leave us an option. He said, in this world you will have trouble. So I invite you, Actually, this is so important for us to understand. You know, sometimes we get the idea that, you know, I'm a believer. Life is going to be so easy. I'm just going to coast from here on out. God is with me. Absolutely. God is with you. But guess what? You're going to have trouble. Turn to someone beside you and just remind them, you will have trouble. Now, (laughs) some of you are like, "Yeah, yeah, really? That's not new. A few of you, a few of you may be thinking, "Great, I like trouble." <laughs> but if you enjoy troublemaking, uh, be careful because you might find yourself on the wrong, uh, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Peter says that's not the goal. Don't suffer for doing wrong. See, Jesus has a better way. Most of us, I think, would like to tend to avoid trouble in our lives. Uh, we may not be able to. We likely will face it anyway so the kind of trouble that peter's talking about here is persecution it's harassment it's pushback it's trouble it's even maybe torture for being a christian now you may think is that even real today do we actually face that well some of you probably will face some real persecution in your life so let's distinguish between two kinds of suffering they're suffering as just punishment for doing evil in other words you do something wrong you know, you, you suffer for, it's, kind of, it's a punishment, it's a consequence for the evil that you do. We don't want to do that. The second kind of suffering is different. It's when you're actually doing something good, something godly, and you suffer for that. So, you're, if you're going to suffer, we want to be suffering for doing good. And you might ask, well, who would cause suffering for doing something good? Well, people do. In Pakistan, the Christians comprise about 2.5% of the total population in an otherwise Islamic nation. So Pakistan's anti-blasphemy laws are a constant threat to Christians there. The Reverend Munawar Ramal Shah reports on the government-endorsed social and economic suffocation of the Christian community in Pakistan. In his province, local mobs publicly urinated on Bibles and closed four churches. Now, that's just one example. According to Open Door, an organization that tracks persecution around the world for Christians, it says that more than 35, 365 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution. This isn't just like some little stuff. This is high levels of persecution. You know, we might say including life-threatening persecution, a discrimination for their faith. So how do we think about these trends? You know, Peter rates. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Well, it seems like a lot of people. But the point here is, even if you get harmed, here's the ultimate outcome. Scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer, no one. The outcome of even our troubles ultimately is good as a Jesus follower. So Peter says, the outcome of suffering is God's blessing. Does anyone see a problem with this? The outcome of suffering is God's blessing. So how can anyone be blessed if they're suffering? Doesn't seem like blessing to me. Especially if it's from unjust discrimination or persecution. That doesn't even seem right. Peter says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. You are blessed. So we told everybody, we turned to them and said, "I love you. That's a good thing, right? We're, we're to, to do good to get along." Uh, we also uh, recognize that even if we're suffering, we are blessed." So that's another reminder I want to encourage us to tell each other. So turn to someone again online. you can put it in the comments. "You are blessed." Go ahead and tell somebody. Now, I don't know all of your situation right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. You may not feel blessed, but the truth is you are. You are blessed. There's something going on here that is completely different than what we see going on outside the church, you know, outside the teaching of the Bible. So for those of us who are believers who are inside, who are following Scripture, uh, normally when we do good, we would not expect to be harassed for it. But as a Jesus follower, the good that we do is connected to God's word and God's way of doing things. So, so understand this. The good that we do is, is based on Scripture. It's based on what Jesus commands. We're doing the good that God calls us to do. And when we do that kind of good, it's not always going to be rewarded. Sometimes it's going to actually be punished with threats, or worse. Many Jesus followers in the world live with these threats. So how do we respond? When we're doing the good that God calls us to, and we get pushback. How do we respond? In Pakistan, despite the hatred toward Christians, uh, the Reverend Ramal Shah isn't bitter. Instead, he works for better relations with Muslim neighbors. This is happening, in fact, uh, in, in a community not that far from us, uh, they're, they're doing these very things. He views the persecution as an opportunity to display Christ's love to others, even militant Muslims. The reverend summarizes how his church responds to persecution. We clean the wounds of those who hate us and those who would kill us. How do we respond? Peter writes, Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. And here's the difference in being a follower of Jesus. One of the distinguishing marks that you have is this possession of hope, even in the midst of difficult stuff. Your hope is not diminished. You have Our hope is this tangible, kind of unique experience that displayed in the world that baffles those who don't know it. And they might ask you, what's the reason for your hope? Our our non-retaliatory responses to harassment, our gracious reactions when people treat us badly, makes people wonder, what is going on with you? That you would respond to me like that. What do you have that I don't have? Maybe uh, people are looking at you today and saying, it, it probably didn't sound like that. It probably sounds more like this. You're strange. What's wrong with you? Why are you so different? Why do you do those crazy things that you do? What is motivating you? Nobody does that. Why are you? Is that happening to you? If people are looking at you that way, you may just be living into this upside-down reality of the kingdom of heaven, and it may be an opportunity for you to give a reason for the hope that you have, the hope that is rooted in doing things Jesus' way, the good and difficult way. Peter writes, for it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for evil. Do good Jesus' way." Suffering is part of following Jesus. Uh, You may have already gotten that. If you're new to this gig, it's probably maybe something that you were going to have to struggle through. Christ himself went through suffering and he's our example to follow. Peter writes, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. He died on the cross for us that we might know this new life-giving, living hope in Jesus Christ. So maybe you've heard the sports motto, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. You know, it's something like that. I might rephrase it, the pain means gain for a follower of Jesus. It's great news. You know, even when you're suffering for doing good, it's a reminder that in the end, Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, you and I win as well. You know, One day, Jesus is returning. He's going to come in all of his glory. And we will begin to share in his glory in this new heaven and the new earth. And all the struggle and difficulty and pain and suffering that you have gone through will be eclipsed by the joy and wonder of life eternally with our living Savior. Jesus wins, you win, do good, don't retaliate, Jesus has got this. So it seems like the Bible suggested that some Jesus followers are going to face some real difficult persecution. I don't know if that's you, it may be, just be prepared if it comes. Peter clearly revealed that this would be the way forward, so this shouldn't be a surprise to us. I don't know what you think about the way the world is. Uh, I think we're called to be witnesses no matter what way the world is, and especially when it's not going our way. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though some strange thing were happening. The world is broken. It's evil. We are salt and light in that, the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven. It might be costly to us. It might not feel fair, but that's the narrow way of following Jesus, and it's worth it. This could be the be new stuff to you, but it, you know it's all over Scripture. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. You're a follower of Jesus. If the world hates Jesus, it's going to hate you. It's obvious. Look at the, what the world did to Jesus. The Apostle John writes, Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Kind of seems like a familiar theme. He was imprisoned on the island of Patmos for the rest of his life. You know, even though Jesus' followers should probably expect troubles, troubles should... uh... When we face troubles, we should actually be encouraged. It seems kind of backwards, but think about it. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have peace trouble but take heart be of good cheer i have overcome the world be encouraged cheer up i have overcome the world so how do we respond not how you think peter writes but rejoice rejoice it's an unusual response to suffering rejoice In acts uh the apostles were beaten for talking about jesus and they rejoiced because they counted they were counted worthy to suffer like christ so here's the reason for our hope, especially in persecution. As a Jesus followers, we share in his suffering. We also will share in his glory. Again, he's coming back and we will enjoy uh, that presence with him and be raised up. And there will be nothing that compares with that. So for now, we're filled with joy. We praise God. We gather on Sunday morning. We worship. We sing. We, we, uh, we, we celebrate because of what is ahead, because of the living hope that we have. We have this sure and certain hope, so we live together in harmony. Scripture says, if you are insulted because of the name of Jesus, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So rejoice and be glad. Trouble might just mean you are doing exactly what God has called you to do. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So what do you do? When pushback comes. What do you do when you face trouble? Do good. Peter writes, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Do good. Do good. Don't retaliate. So turn to someone beside you and tell them, hang in there, keep doing good. Church, hang in there, keep doing good. Let us pray, Lord. Thank you that you have called us to your son Jesus, Lord. You have called us to new life in him, and Lord, this new upside down life of the kingdom that calls us to do good, to bless, to be a blessing, blessed, Lord, to be a blessing. That we don't retaliate, we don't curse, we don't fight and make people's lives miserable in fact we are called to the opposite Lord to love extend grace with humility recognizing what you have done for us and that what you want to do for every person on this planet that you died for the world Lord I pray that our lives may reflect that internal hope that eternal hope that just can't be explained beyond the hope we have in you. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. If you are joining us today and you don't recognize this living hope, if you maybe hear something that is calling you to turn to Jesus, to to repent, to come into this new life, if that's you today online or even joining us here, then I invite you to hear that call of Jesus who knocks on the door of your heart and asks to come in. He's not going to force his way. He's simply knocking. Your invitation is to open the door. Your opportunity today is to open the door to the Father's love through Jesus Christ. To know this eternal hope that goes beyond all your circumstances and lands you in eternity with Christ if that's you then you might open that door with a simple prayer like this, maybe echoing this in your heart, Lord Jesus I need you I trust, I believe you are real I am a sinner I trust you died on the cross for my sin that I might be made right with you and have a new life with God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the living hope that you give. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.